you'll see sometimes that the anointing comes upon a place, and when that anointing is there, you get underneath that anointing, you can receive healing for the thing, or whatever it is that you need. But there's also another one, and that is under faith. And if you go through the Word of God, you will see that those who received what they needed under faith batted 100%. 100% of the time, the people got in faith, they got what they needed. 100% of the time, in the Word of God, that people needed to get something, when they got in faith, they received it. The other way is through the anointing. The anointing does not bat 100%. That's hard for some people to hear. But the anointing does not bat 100%. When the men came with the one on the, on the bed and they let him down to the roof, the Word of God says that the anointing was there to heal all. And yet we read in the story that only one got healed. That's not 100%, is it? It says that Jesus went over to Capernaum and because of their unbelief, the anointing could do nothing except heal a few sick people. It didn't bat 100%, did it? There are times when you need to get under the anointing and receive. And there's times you need to get in faith. There's some things that are going to go on here today, but we need to get ourselves in a place of faith here first. So we're going to first off begin by getting to the Word of God. Children, if you are heading out, you may go ahead and do so. The rest of us, we're going to look to the Word of God for some things here today. Now, if you came here with a need and, and you're, you're one who said, uh, we need a prayer today, then I want you to listen. There's some particular things on this that, um, that I received for, for those who needed prayer. Um, and, and if you uh, did not ask for, for prayer, but you get yourself in a place of faith before the service is over, then jump in and get it. All right? Don't, don't sit there and wait. You, get, you jump in there and get it. The woman with the issue of blood, when she got in faith, what happened? She got it. No one, no one knowing it at all in that service, was there? <laughs> They're just walking. The, the woman from Tyre, was there anointing? No, but she was in faith, wasn't she? Let's get ourselves into that, in that place here. So we're going to be going to a number of places in the Word of God. We, talked, uh, we entitled this, The Thorns of Our Flesh. Last week we were looking at the sower. But we're looking at um, some things. How do we prevent these kind of things from going on? How many like preventive, preventive medicine? You like preventive medicine? I mean, it's a whole lot better if you just don't get the thing. Isn't it? <laughs> well, there's some health food advice on preventive medicine that I, I hope you'll enjoy as much as I did. I've heard that cardiovascular exercise can prolong life. Is that true? Your heart is only good for so many beats, and that's it. Don't waste them on exercise. <laughs> Everything wears out eventually. Speed up your heart will not make you live longer. That's like saying you can extend the life of your car by driving it faster. Want to live longer? Take a nap. Should I cut down on meat and eat more fruits and vegetables is the question. You must grasp logistical efficiencies. What does a cow eat? Hay and corn. And what are these? Vegetables. So a steak is nothing more than the efficient mechanism of delivering vegetables to your system. Need grain? Eat chicken. Beef is also a good source of field grass, green leafy vegetables. And a pork chop can give you 100% of your recommended daily allowance of vegetable products. Aren't fried foods bad for you? 
You're not listening. Foods are fried these days in vegetable oil. In fact, they're permeated in it. How could getting more vegetables be bad for you? <laughs> Will sit-ups help prevent me from getting a little soft around the middle? Definitely not. When you exercise a muscle, it gets bigger. You should only be doing sit-ups if, if you want a big stomach. Is chocolate bad for me? Are you crazy? Hello, cocoa beans. Another vegetable. It's the best feel-good food around. Is swimming good for your figure? If swimming is good for your figure, explain whales to me. <laughs> so maybe you might enjoy some of that health news there. <laughs> We're looking at, at prevention here today as we, because we want to make sure, you know, when we looked at last week at the sower, the sower to see, we start off by talking about fight the good fight of faith. In Proverbs chapter 12, the words of the wicked are, lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright will deliver them. That it's in our mouth is where these things come from. First Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. We saw that sowing is the same thing as hearing. When Jesus was talking about the sowing of the word, he's talking about the hearing of the word. And we saw that the first, on the first soil, this, the seed was stolen. On the second, it was starved. On the third, it was choked. And on the fourth, it was fruitful. On the first two, the plant, the seed, the, the, the plant that came from the seed died. On the third one, it continued to live, but never became fruitful. We really want to focus in on that one today because, because it was the, the thorns and thistles that came up and choked the word and prevented it from becoming fruitful. We want to prevent that from happening. I put this in your outline for you. Many believers see God as the preventer of birds, scorching sun, thorns, and storms instead of the provider through faith. Somehow we've gotten this idea that God is the preventer of birds coming to eat the seed, of scorching sun to try and dry up the seed, of thorns and of storms instead of the provider through faith. God is not advertising the Word of God as the preventer of these things. When He put His own disciples in the boat and sent them across, what happened? A storm. When he, got in, when he was in the boat and they were going across, and He said, let's go across to the other side, what happened? He didn't prevent in either of those situations, did He? When the sower sows a seed, we don't see the sower going around to chase off the birds. It's the understanding that the person has of the seed that keeps the birds from, from, from doing that. We've misunderstood God's role, and because of it, our faith can be a problem. Can have a problem with that. We have to get to the place where hearing and understanding go together in our life. So we're going to look at a couple of stories in this, and I want you to see, we're going to ask the question, where are the thorns? Where are the thorns? In Daniel chapter 6, Daniel was uh, Daniel in the lion's den, this is also known as. In uh, verse 1 of chapter 6, It pleased Darius to sit over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom because they were afraid this guy's taking over the whole kingdom. We're not going to have a place or we're not going to have as big of a place. 
So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Now, can you imagine you're living your life that your enemies can find no fault in you even though they are looking? I mean, how many times do we have fault being written about people and it's not true? They've twisted things. They've misrepresented things, but they still report it as being true. And these guys could find nothing. Apparently, they couldn't even find anything they could twist. That is an upright life, isn't it? They could find no charge of fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So they realized the only thing we can do is we, we watch how Daniel operates and he has priorities in his life and it's tough to crack this guy because of his priorities but his priorities are that God is first and above all things and the law of his God is first above all things. So if we can get something to go on where the law of the kingdom would contrast the law of his God then we can get him. And so they went about and they set up this thing. We all know the story how that Daniel uh, would pray three times a day and we've talked, we taught on this story before. This is a guy who is high up in the kingdom. High up in the kingdom. He has high level meetings. Probably with dignitaries from other places. Uh, probably the king has meetings with him. But no matter what, at three particular points throughout the day, he had his prayer time. And that's what he did. He set up that as a priority in his life. And so we know that they said, we're going we're gonna to come against this. And so they... They focused to try and we've got, we got to do something with this. So they said no one can make any request of any god except for the king. They appealed to the uh, flesh of the, of the king and the king bought it and went ahead with it and then realized later on that there was a, a, a scheme against Daniel. But if we went through the whole chapter, and I hope you go through the whole chapter at home. If you went through the whole chapter, you will see that Daniel, it's, it's Daniel, Daniel, of course, is writing the book, but Daniel says when he, he knew that the document had been signed. He knew that the satraps and governors had gone into the king and they were presenting this to him. And he says in the, in the Bible, when he knew that the decree was signed, that Daniel went into his chamber, opened up his windows as at other times, and prayed to God. He didn't hide it. He didn't change it. But what is really interesting is that Daniel knew what was going on in the room. Daniel, the most influential man to the king, the king was looking to set the entire realm under Daniel. If Daniel walks into that room and says to the king, King, they're only doing this to get me, what do you think the king would have done? He would have listened to Daniel. Because he has never gone wrong by listening to Daniel so far. He would have listened to him and it, and it would have been over. But Daniel doesn't do it. Daniel stays away from the meeting. He lets the meeting go on. And then when he knows that it's, that it's signed, he goes into his room to pray. As at other times. And they came and they found him. And they brought it to the king. King, already we see Daniel, uh, he's, he's not listening. And so, just like you said, he has to be thrown into the, into the lion's den. Because you said it. Verse 14, And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself. Not with others. He's greatly displeased with himself because he realized they tricked me. And he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. 
and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. He combed through that law. He's trying to find a loophole to get Daniel out of this because he realized, I messed up. Then those men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no decree or statute where the king established may be changed. Can you imagine going to the king after you have just seduced him into writing this law and then tell him, Ha, we got you. You got you to gotta put him in the lion's den. So the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, to, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Again, we're not going to go through and teach the whole story again here. We've done it in the past. Most of you probably are, already know this. But Daniel knows this is coming. Daniel does nothing to prevent it. And Daniel does not expect that God prevents it. Most Christians, or at least many, want to be delivered from the lion's den. Many Christians, they want to be delivered from the lion's den. But God didn't deliver Daniel from the lion's den. God delivered Daniel from the lions. Isn't that right? Daniel went into the lion's den. But he was delivered from the lions. So often Christians have gotten their hopes set on being delivered from the lion's den. We're going to look at more stories that are just like this. God didn't deliver him from the lion's den. He delivered him from the, the lion's now, if you go through the whole book of Daniel, you can put some pieces together, and we're just going to refresh your memory on this. The greatest revelation given to anyone in the Old Testament concerning the end times was given to Daniel in what is called the Great Vision, in which he saw so much detail of all the things that were going on. If you go through the Bible and you look at the last vision that he had, the greatest vision that he had received from God, if you look at the year in which he received the greatest of all visions ever given to anyone about the end times, this is the one that made him ill for a couple of days. It was given in the year that he was put into the lion's den. It seems almost that Daniel knew this was a test. Not a test from God. God's not behind this test. Satan is trying to sift me. And my God will make me strong. And His Word will work. And I will not succumb. And when this test passes, I will be in a position to receive more from God. And He did. Now, have you ever been over to the place in Lancaster? I forget the name of it. The theater? Sight and Sound. When they did Daniel, I was wondering how they would handle this part of it. Now, their interpretation of it is right along this line, but their interpretation of it was, and there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with their interpretation. They picked up on this detail, and they put it right into the story. Their interpretation was that Daniel received that vision in the lion's den. That's an interpretation. It could, but it well could have been. It was either in the lion's den or shortly after, but it was, we know it was the same year. And it just seems just from Daniel's attitude going into this, Daniel knew it was a test. He knew it was coming. And he said, we're going through this and we're going through just fine. In fact, he even tells the king, king, don't worry about it. If you went on and continued on the rest of the story, you just, Daniel would say, look, king, you just be calm down. You didn't mean this. Don't worry about it. I'm going in the lion's den. I'll see you in the morning. 
Well, the king's all upset. The king is up all night long worrying about Daniel. And then when finally morning time came, he came on out, took the seal off of the, the, off of the uh, cover, and he said, Daniel, Daniel, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you? Oh, take it easy, king. I'm fine. <laughs> Everything's good. And so they, he gave word immediately, and they brought him up out of the lion's den. And then he turned to the men who concocted the plan, and he said, all of you, you're going in. And they threw him in, so if you think the lions weren't hungry, the lions ate them before they hit the ground. Daniel said the Lord sent his angel and stopped the mouth of lions. But see, we sometimes get the expectation that I shouldn't be in the lion's den. I don't like being in the lion's How many of y'all want to go into a lion's den? Many want to be delivered from the lion's den, not just from the lions. Well, where are the thorns and thistles in the story? Well, Daniel could be thinking while he's in the lion's den... Why did God let this thing happen to me? Have you ever had something happen to you in which brings to mind why did God let this happen to me? Anybody at all beside me? <laughs> I mean, I've been there with stuff. You get something that goes on. How many times do we do this? We look at our life. We look at how we lived it. How did Daniel live it up to this point? So perfectly that his enemies couldn't find any fault against him. And then he gets thrown into the lion's den. How many of y'all would be saying, if you're Daniel, what did I do? I didn't do nothing. I don't deserve this. God, did you see? I was upright. I stood up for your word. I did the things you wanted me to do. Why am I in the lion's den? This should not be happening to me. Look at those evil people up there. They should be in here. Daniel doesn't do that. Hey, but I thought I had a call in my life and now I'm going to die. Oh, God, I thought you had something great for me. Now I'm going to be in the lion's den. I'm going to die. And you, it's your loss. It's your loss, God. I could have done great things for you. He could be saying, why is it that so many people don't like me? I just do the things that God tells me to do. I do it well. I do it efficiently. I'm faithful, just like God said I do. But all these people don't like me. Why don't people like me? He could be thinking that too, couldn't he? He could be thinking, how can I stand against all these people? If you had that many leaders in a kingdom against you, how many of you might be thinking, how can I stand against all these people? And if you're thinking, no, not me. Have you ever been at work and you got a group of people over there who don't like you? What do you think about them? Sometimes we begin to think, oh, they're going to win out. I'm going to be left holding the bag. This isn't good. These are the thistles. These are the thorns. These are the things that want to come in and they want to choke out the Word. But Daniel doesn't give in to those things. I'll go in the lion's den. It's no problem. It's no big deal. King, just relax. Take it easy. I know you didn't mean any harm by this. How many of you get mad at the king? Man, king, I served you all this time and now you're going to decree I go in the lion's den? Boy, there's that ever thanks. When I get out of here, you just watch. But he didn't do that, did he? He didn't give in to those things. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah in Daniel chapter 3. You, of course, know them better as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel chapter 3. We're, going to, we're not going to go cover the whole story again. We've done it before. Go over to verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Up. This is after they, uh, they did not worship. They didn't fall down. You know, the, they had the big gold statue and the music would play and all the people in the kingdom would all fall down and worship this statue that Nebuchadnezzar had built. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, 
that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up. Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you up from my hands? In other words, try and put this into some modern vernacular. We've hit the pause on the iPod. We'll hit play in a minute. As soon as we hit play, you either bow down and, and everything's fine. But if we hit play and you don't, there's going to be some trouble. We've got a big fiery furnace. And guess who's going in? Now, verse 16, look at the answer. O king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Now, it's real easy to read this passage. I've read this passage many times myself, and it's really easy to read this passage and get the idea that what they're saying is, our God is able to deliver us, our God will deliver us, but if our God does not deliver us, we're not bowing. That's not what they said. Look at what the king said over here. Now, verse 15, Now if you are ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good! But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who would deliver you from my hands? Look at their answer. We have no need to answer you in this matter. In what matter? Of starting the music or stopping the music. Of whether we would bow down or not bow down. If that is the case, if the what is the case? If you start the music. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. If you start the music, we're not bowing down. And if you put us in the fiery furnace, our God is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. And He will deliver us. Does it sound like they have any question they're coming out of the fiery furnace? Uh-uh. No question at all. But if not, what? If God does not? No. But if not, if you don't start the music, let it be known to you, O King, that we do not serve your gods. In other words, he's saying this. Look, you don't have to start the music. The question is not whether you start the music or not. Whether you start the music or whether you don't start the music, we aren't bound down to the gold image. That's the question. It's not a question of whether God is going to deliver them. The question is whether they're going to start the music and test them or not. He said, it don't matter to us. You can start the music, you can not start the music. We're still staying in the same place. We aren't changing and our God, whom we serve, He's able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. Well, what happened to the king? He got mad. Real mad. So he said, heat up the furnace seven times hotter. Now, if you're the three Hebrew guys, and you heard the news, let's heat it up seven times hotter. If you had faith to believe to be delivered from the fiery furnace, well, now it's seven times hotter fiery furnace. I don't know if I have faith for that. I mean, that's wow. I mean, I had faith for the fiery furnace, but Hananiah, it's seven times hotter. I wasn't prepared for that. 
don't know about this news here. We we need to have a meeting. Can we huddle? We need to talk about this. I mean, seven times hotter. I don't even know what that's like. We're talking hot. How many have ever been burned? Ever been burned? It's not pleasant, is it? Probably of all the things you can do to yourself, getting burned is just one of the least pleasant. It just hurts like nothing else ever hurt. It's just, it's not nice being burned. Being burned, it's, it's no fun. It, it hurt, and it doesn't just hurt for a little while, does it? It hurts for a long while. And especially if it's really, real bad. They say, you know, some of the worst places to go visit, the burn centers where people are burned, it's just the pain is just awful. I have never been burned to the degree that those folks have been burned. Some of the military folks have been through some explosions that caused some burning. On I have never been through that. I, the, the burns I have been through are small in comparison. We used to get burned, you know, running the ovens over pizza. You know, you, you know, we had these pliers. We'd grab hold of the metal plates and we'd lift them on out. And most times it worked fine. But, you know, every once in a while you'd reach in and you grab one. And when you pull out, you're pulling out the weight of a pizza. And then sometimes the pliers would slip off of the pizza. And you know what happened to your arm? It'd go right up into the top of the oven. And the top of the oven is where the heat came out. We heated up our ovens to 550 degrees. I don't know how hot the thing was where the heat came out. But if you touched it, you burned. It don't, you don't have to touch it long. You come out with at least a second degree burn. Not a third degree. You could do it that way. But you come out with at least a second degree burn. And the problem was always this, you know, it happened on a Friday when you're in a hurry and you're running around doing stuff. And then you, usually we only had one person who could run the oven. So if you were on the ovens and you got burned, oh well. So you still got to keep running the ovens. And have you ever taken something that was burned and put it back into an oven? I would go over sometimes over to the make table and I'd grab some of the Canadian bacon and slap that sucker on there. Because the Canadian bacon was cold and for as long as the Canadian bacon was cold, when I had my hand in the oven, it helped a little. People come in the restaurant, why is that guy wearing Canadian bacon? At least the Canadians are good for something. Oh, just having fun, come on. <laughs> they hardly serve Canadian bacon around here. I love Canadian bacon. It's, of course, bacon's just good, but... I don't know what they do to make a Canadian bacon and all that, but it's, uh, it was good stuff. But you know, you're facing the proposition of being put into a fiery furnace and your entire body being burned. If you have been burned a little bit, you all know that messes with you. Being burned like that, that's just, oh, that's terrible. And these guys are not phased by it. Eh, heat it up seven times hotter. We don't care. If our God was able to deliver us from the fiery furnace before, He can still deliver us from a seven-time hotter fiery furnace. And they aren't phased by it. But understand, their question is not whether our God will deliver us or not. Their question is whether you start the music or whether you don't. We don't care if you start the music or if you don't. We'll save you the trouble. You don't have to. We're telling you right now. We won't bow. To save everybody the trouble. You know, you start that music, all these other people have to start bowing. And, uh, we're still not, so... So they got, he got real, real mad. They heated up the fire seven times hotter. They got the big guys. They carried them in, threw them in. Of course, the big guys who threw them in, they died from the heat above the fiery furnace. And they throw the guys in. And once they went in, I'm sure the king was thinking, Ah, I've got them. And then all of a sudden, the report comes to the king. King, didn't we throw three guys in? Oh, there's four now. And one of them looks like the Son of God. 
So the king gets up, he goes over to the fiery furnace and looks inside. Now, you're going to get close to the fiery furnace. Of course, most of the heat goes up, but still, you get that close to a fire, you're going to feel it. So he has to get close to that heat and take a look and, yeah, they sure are. They're walking around inside. Now, if you were walking around inside of a fire, how many would just leave? You know, just, I'm walking around, I'm walking out. But they don't. They stay right there in the fiery furnace. If you're these three guys, how many of you expect God to deliver you from going into the fiery furnace? I, I think my contract didn't call for going into the fiery furnace. I think it called for being delivered from the fiery furnace. And we don't want to get near the fiery furnace. And so I'm sure, sure if that was us, we're getting on over there, we're coming to the plank, we're getting ready to be thrown in. Anytime now, God. Anytime. Come on now. And once we went in, we'd be thinking, why am I in here? I should not be in a fiery furnace. I should be delivered from the fiery furnace. But God said, no, I'll deliver you out of it. He got delivered, they got delivered out of the fiery furnace. And it, they're in there walking around. Hey, how you doing? King says, well, you're walking all around in there. I mean, they were bound up. Now the ropes got burned, but their clothes are fine. That's some smart fire. Just burn the stuff that you want. They're walking on around. They're not leaving. That'd be my first thought. Why, if you could walk around, why don't you get out? We don't need to. We're doing, doing, doing just fine in here. Want to come in? So he calls for them. Come on out. So they come on out. He says, wow, man, we haven't, haven't seen this before. Whew. Oh. And so the, that certainly had an effect upon them. I wrote this down. You can write this down if you want to. Because too many times, folks, we're believing for the wrong thing. Faith does not need to change the news. Just the results. Too many times, Christians, we're out there looking to change the news. Not the results. Ethel's testimony here this morning. How many times are you going to walk into a doctor's office and be hearing the same thing, the same news? How many of you would be believing for the news to be different? And when different news. Father God, I'm going to go in and that doctor's going to say my blood pressure's just fine. And you go on in and the doctor says it's higher than it was before. See, I'm believing to change the news. If I'm believing to change the news, I'd be in the same predicament as Daniel if Daniel was believing to be delivered from the lion's den. Or Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah being delivered from going into the fiery furnace. We can't sit around and wait for the news to change. Believe the results. Back over in Mark chapter 11, verse 22 and 23. Does that talk about changing the news? If you believe the things that you say, you shall have. No, it's, it's talking about believing before the news changes. The example was Jesus going up to the fig tree. And he's, he cursed the fig tree, but the news on the fig tree hadn't changed. If you came back to the five o'clock news that night, and they reported on the fig tree, the fig tree is still alive. 11 o'clock news, the fig tree is still alive. It wasn't until the next day that they came by and walked around it again, they saw the news had changed. But Jesus' belief was before the news ever changed. We've got to stop believing for different news reports and believe for the change in the results. Who cares what the news says? 
Who cares what the news says? Stop believing for different news. You're going to get yourself into trouble. Your faith is in the wrong thing. Acts chapter 9, verse 15. But the Lord said to him, speaking of Paul, or I'm sorry, speaking of the prophet to go to Paul, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my, name, my name's sake. Does that sound like someone who is being promised no lion's den? No fiery furnace? No, it sounds like he's going through a minute. Oh, yeah. He's going through some stuff. In 2 Corinthians 11:22, are they Hebrews? So am I. He's just bragging here. Paul is just bragging on some of the things. He even says, you know, this is kind of useless, but I'll get into this since everybody else is. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a full. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, often. How would you like that for a resume? I've been in prison more than you have. <laughs> I've been beat more than you have. In deaths, often. Well, we know one story at least that it appeared that he died. And then he gets up and goes back into the city. Maybe there were some others. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. In other words, 39. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. We had that one uh, recorded. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was spent in the deep. How many of us would like to believe God for not being a deep? How many of us are believing God that the ship never does go down? <laughs> no shipwrecks. Father God, I am believing for a life of no shipwrecks. No floating around in the deep. Mm-mm. In journeys, often. In perils of waters. In perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen. In perils of the Gentiles. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. There aren't plenty of many places left, are there? I mean, the sea, the wilderness, the city. Where else are you going to go? In perils with country, his own countrymen or Gentiles? Is there anybody else left? In perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things which come upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Boy, what a life. I may want to live that one. Lord of God, I just want to be Paul. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me in Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Out of them all. Now notice, He was not delivered from. He was delivered out of. Daniel was delivered out of the lion's den, not from it. His buddies were delivered out of the fiery furnace, not from it. Out of. Everybody say out of. Out of them all the Lord delivered me. Now, we can take some of these things. How many of you think if you've been stoned and left for dead, you got delivered out of that? How many of you, if you are floating around in the, the sea for a day and a half you were delivered out of that now I'm thinking 10 minutes right <laughs> I mean, I've been in here 10 minutes God come on somebody's got to come along if you had a several shipwrecks 
How many of you are saying, oh, glory to God? Now, we're, if you were only beaten with 39 lashes, glory to God, it was only 39. A few different times. Oh, good, they're only using rods this time. This is so much better. Thank you, Father God, for letting them just use rods. I was thinking it was going <laughs> to... We, we aren't seeing ourselves as being delivered because we weren't delivered from. He was delivered out of. Well, he had the word from the beginning. I'm going to show him how many things he must suffer for what? Now, he's not suffering to be a servant of God. He's not suffering at the hands of God. He said that he's going to see how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. When Jesus taught the parable of the sower, he said the persecution comes because of the word. The word. When the word gets in us, persecution comes to get it out. We want to get it out because in you, it causes problems for the enemy. So let's get it out. We need to get that word out of that person. We can't let that word continue on. But evil men, verse 13, I'm sorry, verse 12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. How many? All. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is Christ Jesus, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So that's the context of that Scripture that we quote so often. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. It is the Word that will do it. No matter what you face, a den of lions, a fiery furnace that's been heated seven times hotter, it doesn't make any difference. Your God is greater. The faith in you is greater. He's able to preserve you for a day and a half in the deep. He's able to bring you back from the dead if they stoned you so that you can keep on preaching the gospel. That's what our God is able to do. But see, so often we want to change the news. How many times was Paul locked up? We're going to, we're going to sit out, we're going to beat you in the morning. Oh, Father God, I hope in the morning when they come, they're going to tell me that they're not going to do it. We want to change the news. Paul didn't set out to change the news. He set out to change the results. You can beat me all you want to. It don't matter. I'm still preaching the gospel. Just understand this. My God delivers me out of everything I'm in. You can throw whatever you want to. You can heat up the fiery furnace seven times hotter. You can throw me in with lions you haven't fed for a week. It makes no difference. My God is able. And my God will. Second Timothy 4, verse 16. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that the message might be preached fully through me, and that the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion... Him too. <laughs> and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work 
and preserve me for His heavenly kingdom. To Him be glory forever and ever. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for His heavenly kingdom. The things that come against us, folks, to tear us down are not from God. They are evil works meant to destroy us, meant to get the Word of God out of us, meant to get us to not act on the Word of God, meant to become thorns and thistles, meant to become things that we begin to concentrate on, think on more than the Word of God, so that causes the Word of God to become unfruitful. The sower goes around and sows the Word. Some went by the wayside. The birds came and ate it. Some went in the stony ground and the sun scorched it. Others went in among thorns and thistles and they got choked out. If he cannot get done the first two things, then the thorns and thistles are going to be watered. The devil's going to come along and put all the thorns and thistles he can. He's going to try and get them going in your life. How does he get the thorns and thistles to go? Why is it that thorns and thistles come up on some people's lives, but other people are called good soil? And then there's no thorns or thistles there. Because the people that are good soil don't give water to the thorns and thistles. They don't think about them. They don't sit there and say, Well, God, why did you let me get thrown into the fiery furnace? Well, God, why didn't you come down and do this? Well, God, why didn't this get prevented? How come I wasn't stopped from being beaten over here? How come the... You didn't come and deliver me. Instead, I got stoned and left for dead. Maybe you did die. How come? And we begin to ask all these questions. And the devil loves that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think on that. Meditate on that. Why has God allowed this kind of stuff to go on with you? Why has God done these kind of things? We told you before that quote from Brother Creflo Dollar. Wonderful quote. That teaching he was doing on the love of God. The devil is not interested in questioning your love for God. He's interested in question, getting you to question God's love for you. He doesn't care how much you love God. What he wants you to wonder about is how much does God really love you? Does God really love me? Did He let this happen? Does God really love me that my life is going this way? Does God really love me that this is going on? I don't see that God loves me. And He gets you to question that. Guess what comes up in your life? Thorns and thistles. And what are the result of thorns and thistles coming up in our life? It takes the Word of God that was sown into us and causes it to be unfruitful, not producing what is needed. That's his goal. Put this here in the end. Trials become exceedingly trying when we rely on our flesh instead of His Word in us. Trials become exceedingly trying when we rely on our flesh instead of His Word in us. Well, we begin to rely on the fleshes on the inside of us. We begin to look at, well, what, how has my life been? Look at how I've been living. Look at what I've been doing. I shouldn't have this kind of stuff going. Daniel, I've been perfect in all my ways. Why would I be accused of this? Why are these things going on? Trials become exceedingly trying when we rely on our flesh instead of His Word in us. Or, have flesh expectation instead of spirit revelations. Oh, it's really easy to have flesh expectations. I could have, if I was uh, Hananiah, I could have a flesh expectation. All right, 
We're going to make a stand for God and we're not even going to see that fiery furnace. That's a flesh expectation. But they didn't do that. They said, no, our God is able to deliver us from your fiery furnace. In fact, He will. Not only is He able, He will deliver us from your fiery furnace. Doesn't mean that God does not always or does not ever deliver us from things. How many of y'all know that there's been some things that could happen and didn't? There have been times when God has delivered us from stuff. Sometimes, down in our spirit, He says, go over here and do this. Avoid that area. Stay away from there. And if we listen and we do it, we avoid the thing. I heard uh, someone from Rhema, I was listening to one of their teachings this week, and they were talking about prayer and healing center, and people would call in for counseling. And one person called in for counseling, and they, you know, they talked about some kind of a trial and some kind of thing that they had gone through or were going through at the time, and they didn't understand, you know, what I think what it was. They were uh, they were mugged, they were robbed. In fact, just, it was just that morning they were actually calling. They were still kind of shook up from the whole thing, and uh, I don't understand why God allowed this to happen to me. Why was I mugged? Why was I robbed? Why why didn't God prevent this from going on? And they begin to immediately list all the things that they had done for God. Because that's what we do. You know, we get into the flesh on that. I've done this, 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 and this, so therefore that shouldn't happen to me. And so, I mean, this, this person who was talking to me was just perplexed. I don't know what to say to them. I don't know how to, it I'm not sure how to comfort them, what to do. And so uh, they just asked the question and said, well, what was going on before? Before you got mugged? What was going on before? Why were you where you were at? And they began to ask them questions like this. And the person got real quiet. Says, well, it came in my spirit that I shouldn't go to that part of town. I mean, I'm in that part of town all the time, but it came up my spirit I shouldn't go in that part of town that day. See, you disobey the Word of God, you disobey the things that God tells you to do or not do, that's not good. Jesus went where the Spirit of God told him to go, and sometimes he avoided places because it's not my time to go into there yet. A couple of stories we could actually go through and, and show you that. But um, stay on topic here. If you haven't been delivered from the trial, look to your faith to deliver you out of the trial. But do understand this. The Word of God tells us every good and every perfect gift comes from the devil. No, from who? From God. Every good and every perfect gift comes from God. So if we get a gift from God, at least we think it's from God, but it's not perfect or it's not good, what do we do with it? That's where the problem comes in. And, and more Christians begin to falter on this area. Well, maybe God has a reason. Maybe God has a purpose for me going through it. Got to get that out of your head first. God does not have a purpose for sickness or disease. God did not have a purpose for having Paul beaten. He says, you know, I don't like that guy, Paul. He did some nasty things to people. Gabriel, come here. Why don't you go on down there? I want you to... Stir up some people and you have them take them outside the city and stone them. You think God would do that? I don't know. Paul hasn't been beaten in a while. It's been a couple of weeks. When was the last time we shipwrecked Paul? Has it been that long? Wow. Well, he's due. He's due. In fact, since we're kind of overdue, let's have him float around in the water for a day and a half. That would be real good. 
day and age. We're just having a float around. Is that what God does? No, God doesn't do that. And Paul never saw these things as coming from God. He said, God delivered me out of every one of them. The enemy meant them for harm. The sower, as we looked at last week, the sower sows the what? The word. He does not sow thorns and thistles. If you go into the very next parable that comes after the sower, that he only tells to his disciples, the very next one talks about how a uh, landowner went out and sowed seed, and as the seed was growing, the servants came on in and said, Hold on, there's some bad stuff in there, there's some tares. Should we go out and get the tares? No, no, no. If you tear up the tares, you could take up some of the good stuff. And No, don't do that. Let them both grow and then at the end we'll harvest them all and we'll separate the chaff from the wheat, the tares from the good stuff. And so they let it go on. But the owner didn't sow the bad seed, did he? He said an enemy has done this in the parable. He says an enemy has done this. What the enemy wants to do is when you have the Word of God in you, he wants to get you to focus on other things. He wants you to begin to focus and meditate on other stuff. He wants you to think about how you're going down. How the fiery furnace is going to burn you up. The lions, they're going to eat you. You're not coming out of this. It's all over. And you begin to think about, I'm not coming out of this. Oh dear, I could die. This isn't good. Oh, we get concerned and we get worried, and that's exactly what the parable says. That the thistles are there, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. We get wrapped up in these kind of things. We begin to think about this, this stuff. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Take, take everything back to the Word of God. Is there any sickness or disease God wants you to carry around to learn a lesson from? If there is, there ought to be somebody in the Word of God who did it. It wasn't in there. Jesus went about healing all all. We've got to become certain that first off, folks, it is God's will. God's will that you be healed. It is not God's will that you be sick. That God will deliver us out of every sickness and disease. But see, sometimes in an area with sickness and disease, folks, this is where we can get. This is where we can falter on this. I have faith for moderately high blood pressure but not through the roof high blood pressure. Right? And so if we go in there and we have moderately high blood pressure, glory to God, I have faith for this. I can, I can believe for moderately high blood pressure to be brought down. And we go back to the doctor and he says, oh man, it's worse than it was. It's twice as bad as it was before. I mean, you can die before you leave the office. I wasn't ready for, for that. I'm ready for, uh, you know, kidneys that aren't functioning all the way. I'm not ready for kidneys that are shutting down. I'm ready for a liver problem that, that, that uh, you know, I had to control this way or that way, but I'm not ready for a liver to shut down. I'm okay with, with this, but not if it gets to this. No, we, we can't shape the news. We shape the results. Stop looking to change the report that you get. And just look to the Word. If you look to the report, then all the devil always has to do is get you a bad report, even if it's wrong. Have you ever watched those movies? I love some of these movies. They get on there. The, the person gets in, they start off the movie this way. The person's come to the doctor. The doctor says, you're going to die in six months. 
There's nothing we can do for you. You're going to die in six months. And so they decide that for the next six months, they're going to live. Oh, and they live and they do stuff they never did before. Oh, they're having fun. They're enjoying life. Things are good. And then all of a sudden, it gets to month five and two weeks and they get the report. Sorry, <laughs> we got things mixed up. You got somebody else's report. You're just fine. <laughs> oh, that's not so. It depends on what you're doing, but that may be either good news or bad news. I think one of those movies, they had the guy, he spent all his money and timed it all out so they wouldn't have any money by the time he was left, just about all broke, and then he's going to keep on living. That's not as good of a thing as, uh, as some others. But stop living for the report. Who cares what the doctor says in the report? And don't, don't just throw out doctors. I'm not telling you to, to do that. Doctors will give you the report for the best that they can tell. But what's your faith based on? It has to be based on the Word of God. What does the Word of God say about your situation? It says, I'm going to live and not die. That's in the Word of God. It says, I'm going to live and not die. It says, my God is able to deliver me from fiery furnaces. It says, my God is able to deliver me from lion's dens. Pull me right out of them. There is no disease that can overtake you that is greater than our God. None. In your spirit might come up some things for you to do. To help your body through that thing. Glory to God, listen to your spirit and do the thing. Go ahead. But you speak to it. You got a high blood pressure? Speak to that high blood pressure. Blood pressure, you're going down. You cannot be at this level. You are going down. If they're telling you you have a weak heart, speak to your heart. Heart, you are strong. You are getting stronger every day. They're telling you your kidneys are failing. Kidneys, you are getting stronger. Every single day you are getting stronger and you will function for as long as I need you. Speak to these things. If you can speak to a fig tree, you can speak to your kidneys, you can speak to your liver, you can speak to your heart, you can speak to your lungs, you can speak to your brain, you can speak to whatever it is that's going wrong. Speak to the thing. And don't put your faith in the doctor giving you a good report. Just know the good report's coming. Ah, good report's coming. No matter if the report gets worse and worse and worse as you go along. Your faith is in the Word of God. If your faith is in the Word of God, you'll sleep fine at night. You won't be anxious. That's one of the things the devil wants us to get you to do. Stay awake all night worrying about the thing. That's not doing what God told you. The Word of God says be anxious for nothing. Let it all go. Go to bed at night and say, Father God, I thank you that I, have to, I don't have to be anxious for anything. I'm going to let this go. not going to be anxious at all. How many of y'all have a decision coming up? Don't be anxious about the decision. No, Father God, I thank you. No matter what the decision is, I'll know exactly what I need to do. And staying up at night, worrying about it, I'm going to help me make that decision. Your word is going to guide me. Your spirit is going to tell me what it is that I need to do. And just go to sleep. Just rest. Be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's what you stand on. Father God, I thank you for the peace of God that's on me. I rest in your hands. It doesn't matter if I go into the fiery furnace, I'll walk out. It doesn't matter if I go into the den of lions, I'll walk out. They won't eat me. They won't burn me. 
we'll be okay. Glory to God. Would you all stand up? Father, we thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, have faith in the right things. Have faith in the Word of God. The Word of God will change whatever situation is going on. We've been talking about how our words, when we speak the words of God, change what we face. What is it that you face? What is it you need to change? Speak to it. Change it. Glory to God. It's going to get strong. It's going to get better. Don't give in to the thing. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of tests and trials that might come your way. They're not from God. God's not behind it. He doesn't have a plan for it. It's the enemy. Enemy wants to destroy you. Just laugh at him. <laughs> you can't destroy me with this. You can't destroy me with worry and concern. You can't destroy me with sickness and disease. You can't destroy me with a mere fiery furnace or a silly little lion's den. Uh-uh. I'm good. We said there's some who need a prayer. I know that... Um, I don't know if Kenny and Bobby are not here. And Bobby's blood sugar had gone down. Well, we can just speak to that. He's been doing some things, tuning his faith in into the Word of God to speak to that correctly. So we're going to have that. We're going to need some uh, ministry music, Brother Bruce. You can get that ready. Some of those Ramah songs are good for, for that if you want to go back and... I don't know if you've seen any good ones that are... I didn't, I didn't pull one out of there for that, so hopefully... He knows that. Um, I know Chris wanted prayer, and we wanted to, um, if you can get Kathy out of the room over there, too. That would be good. So as we have the ministry songs going on, we're just going to believe God. These things are changing. It does not matter how bad the report comes. It does not matter how scary the report is. It does not matter whether you deserved the report or not. All that matters is, the Word of God. What does the Word of God have to say about this? What does the Word of God have to say about this? Glory to God. We can change it. Hallelujah. You have that music ready? If you are here and you didn't come asking for prayer, but you decided as you're going on through here, oh, I'm in a spot with faith now. Oh, I can believe that this thing is gone now. Then certainly come on up and we'll pray for you as well. Be in a place with faith. Don't come up moaning and groaning. Oh, it's so... No, don't be doing that. Be like the woman with the issue of blood. If I just do this, it's gone. Be like the woman from Tyre. If I just get a crumb, it's out of here. If you just come, if you just... This is done. That's where you got to be at. Things change. Go over to God. We got that ready now? All right.